Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my iClarity podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest iClarity episode. Hey everybody, good evening. It's Dr. Sam and I'd like to welcome you to another Facebook Live. So if you want to ask your questions tonight, you can type them in. Excuse me. So it's great to be here. I hope everybody is having a really good summer and I hope you're getting to travel a little bit, things getting back to normal seeing some family, friends, and so on. So tonight I want to take a few questions. I've got several of them here from different social media sites. So if you have a question, please type it in and I'll do my best to answer. So the first question I received was a follower on Instagram regarding flashes and floaters. And so I want to go into some of the causes of flashing lights and segue into floaters. It seems to be the most common question that I get that people seem really, really, well, how can I say frustrated when they start getting floaters. But, you know, in terms of flashing lights, this is a very, very interesting phenomenon and it can be serious but also it can be pretty benign. So there are five reasons why somebody might get eye flashes. Number one, it has to do with that dreaded condition called posterior vitreous detachment. And so I'm going to give you a little anatomy lesson here. We have the eye And we have the back part of the eye, the two-thirds posterior part of the eye in the back is called the vitreous gel, the gel sac. And this particular gel sac is made up of protein and water. We could say collagen. And as we age, that vitreous sac can either enlarge itself or it can shrink. Now, reasons why we get a change in our integrity of our vitreous gel sac has to do very simply with the fact that we are uh, either suffering a lack of oxygenation in the eyes or hydration. You know, the, if we talk about it in terms of mitochondria, you know, mitochondria are the energy cells that appear in the body, but there's a very high concentration of mitochondria in the retina, in the eye itself. And so if the mitochondria are not getting the proper nutrients, this begins to lower their production of ATP, 
and ATP is important for getting rid of metabolic waste. So what happens in our vitreous gel, as it begins to change its size, it starts to pull away from the retina. So it starts tugging on the retina and the retina is a uh, sea of microcapillaries and photoreceptors. So the thing about it is, is that when our vitreous changes and it starts pulling away from the retina, this is one of the reasons why we develop flashing lights. Now, in addition to the flashing lights, we can also get floaters, which are um, part of the vitreous and either the collagen breaks off, it flakes off, um, and this creates those specks and flecks and, um, you know, spider-like substances that we see. And of course, when light hits those and it creates a shadow on the retina, it drives people, you know, up the wall because our eye doctors are just saying, you know, floaters, it's a benign condition. There's not much you can do about it. Uh, and there are a few eye doctors out there that use a laser to try to get rid of floaters. I don't recommend that procedure because I've seen too many uh, problems with that surgery. But in any event, number one reason why we get flashes of light is posterior vitriol detachment. Number two, the reason we might get flashes has to do with migraines. And migraines can be ocular migraines, there can be other types of migraines, but there is moderate to severe headaches. And when we get these headaches, uh, it can be accompanied with something called visual auras. And sometimes we get that experience of flashing lights. We're also very light sensitive if we are prone to migraines. There are a variety of reasons why we develop migraines, everything from endocrine issues to dehydration to head trauma. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we develop them. Some of the ocular migraines occur because our two eyes are not working together and our right eye and left eye are doing different things at the same time. And this creates a strobe effect as we process information to our brain. So this can also trigger migraines. So that's number two. Number three, the reason why we develop flashing lights is because we actually do have a retinal tear or a detachment. And this can also be accompanied by floaters. So it's very important here that you go to your eye doctor and do a full dilated retinal exam. Make sure your retina is intact if you do have flashing lights. Number four, another reason why we get, uh, we get flashing lights is due to diabetic retinopathy. So diabetes uh, wreaks havoc on our microcapillaries in the eye. And if we are out of control with our blood sugar levels, this creates hemorrhaging, bleeding in the retinal cells. And so we can get cloudiness, blurriness, floaters, and flashes. So to be able to make sure your blood sugar levels are normal or if you are a diabetic to get that under control. And then finally, number five, another reason why we develop flashing lights is we're suffering a condition called macular degeneration. 
and this could be both the wet or the dry kind. It just depends on how severe the macular degeneration is, but this can uh, lead to flashing lights. So it's very important that number one, we rule out retinal detachment because the thing is, is that with a retinal detachment, at that point, you definitely need some kind of surgery. And so that's, that's the deal there. Uh, now, the, the person was asking, what can he do if he doesn't have a retinal detachment? What are some things you can do to reduce floaters, to reduce the flashes? So I'm gonna go through a list of things and see if um, you, know, you check the boxes. Number one, I think it's important that you have to realize that your vitreous, because it's made of collagen, there's a breakdown somewhere in your amino acids. And usually if there's a problem in the eye, there's a problem systemically and metabolically. So adding things like MSM powder, hyaluronic acid, uh, bone broth, you know, increasing your trace minerals, especially chromium, zinc, selenium and magnesium those are really really important i like to add things like sources of glutathione and anything that i can do to produce more nitric oxide this is an ingredient that acts as a vasodilator and it also helps improve our circulation and oxygenation I would add probably astaxanthin, lutein, and zeaxanthin. Those are the three carotenoids that are very important for all of eye health. Make sure that you're getting enough vitamin A and zinc is one of the things that helps you in absorbing vitamin A. So uh, that's very important because A is a fat soluble vitamin. So you wanna make sure your liver and gallbladder are working well. Uh, if you're not producing enough bile, the liver is what produces the, the bile. This affects your ability to absorb fat-soluble vitamins like lutein, zeaxanthin, and vitamin A. That's missed quite a bit. Obviously, my MSM products are really good. MSM eye drops, whether the 5 or the 15% or both. MSM is a sulfur molecule. It's the third leading trace mineral found in the body. It's my number one go-to when somebody is dealing with congestion in the vitreous. Again, there are many reasons why we lose integrity in the vitreous, but MSM definitely can help. Usually because there's a hydration problem, I would consider a castor oil, organic castor oil eye massage in the evening on your eyelids. This is very moisturizing and you can also do some herbal compresses as well, things like chamomile, rose petals, go to cola, just to name a few. If you can get eye bright, even better. You brew it up, let it cool, <clears throat> put it into a, a mason jar, and then you can, um, you know, dip a, a cloth in and then place it as a compress over your eyes. Blue blockers are very important. So if you're on a screen all day, that's gonna dry your eyes out incredibly. It's like being in a tanning salon, except at a tanning salon, you know when you're done. But when you're on your screen, you're on it you know, morning, afternoon, and evening, this can definitely cause uh, a drying out. 
You want to increase your fats and oils. Uh, that's very important, especially the omega-3, especially the DHA. Um, you know, the retina is made of about 50% fatty acids. The brain needs fatty acids, the nervous system. So those would be some things that I would, as a broad brush, getting your antioxidants into your body, healing your gut. That's another one. You know, there is a correlation between gut inflammation and eye inflammation. And inflammation is another culprit that gets in the way of the mitochondria working properly, which leads to a breakdown in the tissue, whether it's the cornea, the lens, the vitreous, or the retina. So <clears throat> inflammation is really, really uh, a big deal. And, you know, staring at your screen, being in artificial light, all of those things, you know, increase your inflammation. Now, last, there's some things, other things that I would suggest, and that would be possibly getting some acupuncture, getting some craniosacral therapy, anything to improve the electrical aspects of the body. You know, when we get exposed, overexposed to things like EMFs, this can create an electrical kind of absorption in the eyes, and this can also be one of the reasons why we might be getting flashing lights. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but you know our eye is made up of mostly fluid and liquid. And when we're absorbing or around a lot of Wi-Fi, we're absorbing you know electronics all day, uh, we're absorbing it and we're absorbing that electricity. So that can also be another reason why we get the flashing lights. And last I'll say is dentistry. So if you've had a lot of mercury amalgams or root canals or funky things with your teeth, then um, you know I would seek out a biological dentist, get your mercury taken out, do some chelation, uh, get rid of the root canal uh, influences. You know, one of the things I love using on the teeth is ozone. So ozone is one of the things, I, there's actually an ozone cream that you can get from your dentist and you can massage it on your gums. If you have, you know, inflammation in the gums, that's gonna affect your eyes. So there's a lot of reasons why we have to be kind of a detective in figuring out what are the causes because it's different for everybody. You know, we're not all the same. That's why, you know, a cookbook approach doesn't work for me because I work with each person individually. All right, I'm gonna uh, run down the list. I wanna thank everybody for joining us tonight. I know it's, um, you know, you have a lot of choices and to come on Facebook, I, I appreciate your participation. Thank you for all these people. All right, Karen is writing in, good evening, Dr. Sam, thank you for all you do. Happy to, happy to uh, oblige. If I'm taking astaxanthin, lutein, and zeaxanthin, do I still have to take vitamin A? I don't want to become toxic. Well, vitamin A, yes, we do need to do that. We could do it in the form of beta carotene, but we definitely need about 5,000 IUs a day of, of vitamin A. So you would not be uh, creating a toxic situation. Astaxanthin, you wanna do six to 12 milligrams a day. Lutein, about 16 milligrams a day and zeaxanthin about six milligrams a day. Now you can also get lutein and zeaxanthin through your vegetables, even vitamin A. 
you can get through your vegetables. Astaxanthin is a marine carotenoid, so you would need to get that either through wild-caught salmon or um, you can also get it through a supplement that I have, which is a microalgae. But, you know, as long as you stay around that 5,000 IUs a day of vitamin A, the key thing is that zinc helps you in the absorption of vitamin A. It's very important for the skin, the cornea, the eyelids, and many other things. So we need vitamin A. It's just if we're taking way too much of it, then, of course, we have to back it off. I say eating a rainbow diet of vegetables and then taking a small supplementation of vitamin A would be the way to go. And lutein and zeaxanthin are the fat-soluble ones uh, related to vitamin A. So as long as you stay in that zone, I think you're good. Um, the, the key thing, however, is if you're absorbing it. And that's where you have to do you know, an, a, an investigation on your liver health and your gallbladder health. And if you've had any kind of uh, susceptibility in your liver or gallbladder, then you may not be producing enough bile. So you would want to supplement with bile salts. And you would do that after a meal. Um, and if you do that, then you're going to absorb you know, the fat-soluble vitamins better and your eyes are going to be really, really happy. Okay. So Kathy's asking about vitreous detachment, and I went through a list of many, many things. You know, another thing that I think about with a, a posterior vitreal detachment is history of trauma. And many years ago, um, when I first got into practice, I, I started off my practice in the Philadelphia area. And many of you have heard this story, but I had difficulty getting patients because I was in a very conventional part of Philadelphia it was on the main line and so there was a lot of ophthalmologists surrounding my office and so I went to one of the local hospitals to the outpatient uh, clinic and I met with the physiatrist and I started working with people who had closed head trauma car accidents whiplashes sports injuries falls all ages and my vision rehabilitation exercises were so effective in helping these people get back to their life. But one of the things I did observe is that when we do have some soft tissue trauma, that unless we do some kind of body-centered somatic therapies after the trauma, the trauma tends to get stored and absorbed into the eyes. And so what happens is it creates a dead zone of circulation. That's what trauma does because we, we go into a protective mode to avoid more trauma. But what we're doing is we're creating a dead zone in the tissue. So for anybody out there who's had any kind of trauma, uh, trauma in the head area, neck area, fallen, those kinds of things, I would suggest, you know, finding a somatic therapist, somebody who does uh, some kind of healing work in the area of helping you release the trauma. And it's not even that you have to focus on it, but just going and improving the circulation. You know, I just did a post on astigmatism and craniosacral therapy. So there's a lot of bones around the eyes and in the face. There's also cranial nerves that go right up into the eye muscles. And 
when we have a restricted movement in this particular area, it begins to shut down the circulation and we can't get the nutrient absorption. So somebody who does really good osteopathic craniosacral, biodynamic craniosacral, somebody who's doing cranial work who can feel where the restrictions are, and maybe it's even in your sacrum or spine, because the, you know, the dura, which, which kind of winds its way around the spine all the way up into the head and into the, the optic nerve, you know, those connective tissues they tend to uh, reduce their resiliency and this can lead to a starvation in the eye tissue. And when you fast forward 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, you get these very weird eye conditions like retinal detachment, vitreous detachment, cataracts, glaucoma, dry eye. There is a thread where trauma can have an influence on all these different conditions. So another thing in healing the vitreous detachment is getting some good cranial work. That could be very helpful. All right, let's go to Sangeetha. Hi, welcome. Uh, what are the causes of sensitivity to sunlight other than cataracts and how to resolve it? Well, the retina is made up of photoreceptors. And when we are sensitive to light, there's an imbalance in the function of the photoreceptors. Now sometimes what happens with the photoreceptors, this is due to stress, nutritional deficiencies, trauma, um, that the photoreceptors tend to become desensitized to the light. So what this means is there's an imbalance in our ability to receive the light into our eyes. And so this causes glare, light sensitivity, and it's an overworking of our nervous system. So our sympathetic nervous system, which is part of our active state, is overworking, and our parasympathetic nervous system is non-existent, our resting state. So we're in this hypervigilant state of consciousness with our vision, and then we go and we sit on our screen all day, which has a flicker and the blue light, so all of these things begin to create an imbalance in our photoreceptors. And so this leads to light sensitivity. So here are three things that you can do as a starting point. Number one, it's important that you hydrate your eyes throughout the day using natural eye drops. So here are some choices. You can do Oasis, artificial tears. You can do homeopathic eye drops like Optique or Similiacin, and you can do my 5% MSM eye drops. If you're on a screen, you should be using those eye drops throughout the day. Number two, I would increase your fats and oils, at least 2,000 milligrams a day of omega-3 fatty acids, a really good quality omega-3, not cod liver oil, a good full omega-3 and also getting good fats and oils into your body, whether it's you know nuts and seeds, chia seeds, uh, avocados. If you're you know a protein person, getting some free-range eggs, whatever. But you need to increase your fats and oils. Eating a rainbow diet, anti-inflammatory, good good fats and oils. That's number two. And number three. My suggestion would be 
to think about some other nutrients that improve the vascular health. Bilberry is number one. This is an herb that helps improve the eye circulation. Number two, anatto vitamin E. This is a new form of vitamin E that actually helps improve the retina circulation. And number three, saffron. Saffron is a, a spice and the research is off the charts and how it is neuroprotective and how it helps your retinal circulation. The good news is I've created supplements with these in it. You can get the bilberry and my natural eye vitamin and a natto vitamin E and also saffron. You can get those as well. I would add curcumin as another one, very good for retinal circulation. So those would be some things that I would start with. If we want to add an extra credit one, I would start with my eye exercises. The ones I would do would be the animal eye chart. It's an eye stretching chart eye stretching exercise. And the second one I would do would be the end palm hum. These are on my website. You can just Google end palm hum Dr. Byrne or animal eye chart Dr. Byrne. If you Google those, it'll take you right to the link. You can read, you can look at the videos, do some eye exercises every day to improve your eye circulation, oxygenation. It is a process of reducing your light sensitivity but these are some of the things I would start with. And then finally, number five, I would probably wear some kind of a blue blocking filter for your screen time, just so you're not getting overloaded with the blue light as you're on your screens. All right, let's go to Jill. Good evening. What can be done about severe dry eye syndrome? My friend has to even wear eye patches at night. Well, number one, Jill, I would start with a castor oil eyelid massage. Just a few drops of the castor oil. Make sure you wash your hands. You're massaging the castor oil on the eyelids. I would also add some kind of an herbal tea compress. Again, I spoke about chamomile or go to cola, golden seal, eye bright, rose petals. There's a variety of them. Whatever there's a resonant, you, you brew up the tea, let it cool, strain it, put it into a mason jar in the refrigerator. It, asks about, it lasts about four days. And you can use that as a compress, cool compress over the eye. So you're, you're treating the eyelids. This is really the source of severe dry eye. The castor oil can help in the moisturization and uh, the compresses can also help in uh, reducing some of the inflammation in the eyelids. During the day, I would use, again, some natural eye drops, maybe homeopathic eye drops, but you need to do them regularly. If you wanted to do the 5% MSM drops, those are great. My MSM Mist, which is 15%, that's a great one to spray on the eyelids. Some other things you could do would be essential oils. So you could do a Helichrysum Hydrosol, that's a mist, and that particular essential oil is phenomenal for skin health. So you could do that throughout the day, a rose uh, hydrosol or a neroli hydrosol. So you're spraying your eyes, you're misting them throughout the day as well. So you're keeping your eyes much more hydrated. I also think it's important to have um, you know, an optimal omega-3, you know, the fatty acids, the 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 fats and oils are really important to help reduce dry eye. 
I would also check out the thyroid health. So if there's an imbalance in the thyroid health, this can lead to dry eye. Adrenal imbalance can lead to dry eye. Hormonal imbalances, again, I don't know if your friend could be estrogen level. So if there's a high estrogen or a low estrogen level, this can trigger dry eye. Blue blockers for all screen time, get 30 minutes of natural sunlight every day, especially you know early in the day or late in the day. Do some lymph drainage uh, massage, so getting some lymph work done, maybe some acupuncture because I'm sure stress is involved. Remember the liver rules the eyes in Chinese medicine. So if you go to an acupuncturist, they can read the pulses, your liver, your kidney, your spleen, your gallbladder, your large intestine small intestine colon. So the things that the acupuncturist can do with the needles to uh, distribute the energy uh, in a more balanced way, including in the eyes. You know, when there's dry eye, there's a, a congestion, a chi stagnation, an energy stagnation around the eyes. So those would be some of the things I would start with. The whole key is eyelids and getting rid of the inflammation there. All right, so another question is, what kind of glasses do you suggest instead of progressive lenses? I would suggest that you have one single vision lens you use for the computer so that you're in single vision there. That's for your laptop or desktop. Make sure you get a blue blocker in that. You could probably go to the drugstore and just get a pair of readers and make sure the frames are big enough so you're not you know using a small frame and then if you do need something for distance then you know get a pair of distance glasses that you would use um, you know for driving again when you use progressive lenses your driving is going to be limited because you're only using like the top third of the lens so it's a lifestyle change you can certainly keep the progressive lenses and use them when you're about out and about, if you're, you know, going into a store and you need to have intermediate and reading distance, I'm not completely against progressives, but I think in high intensity situations with your vision, the bigger the window you look through, the more relaxed your eyes are. And I can't tell you the number of people who come and see me that have pretty significant eye problems and they've been in progressive lenses for five or 10 or 15 years. And so the thing is, is that you want to uh, give your eyes more vision by, by using a single vision lens. All right, somebody is asking about, do injections work uh, for coat disease, Coates disease? So here's the thing with any kind of pharmaceutical drugs. What pharmaceutical drugs do is they treat a symptom. And if you're in an emergency state where, you know, you're, you've got deteriorating vision, you're dealing with either edema or bleeding or, you know, some serious situation, then using the injections can be helpful in that moment to slow down the degradation. It's kind of like you're in the emergency room right there. And so in order to stop the bleeding, you have to go to the emergency medical doctor and go through their program because they're going to save your life. They're going to save your vision in that moment. 
Is it treating the cause? Well, no, it's not. And so the thing is, at that point, you have to start developing a plan where you're looking at your overall lifestyle, your stress level, your sleep, your, you know, your relationships, your diet, your emotional health, you know, your purpose in life, you know, all of these things. And I always say that, you know, getting a diagnosis is like a wake-up call. And that's actually a really good thing that you get a wake-up call. We get wake-up calls all the time. We just don't answer the bell. We just keep our head like an ostrich in the ground and we're not willing to say, okay, what do I need to change here? What do I need to do to, you know, to adapt, to be flexible, to be in flow? And so the diagnosis is a gift if you see it that way and then you can start attracting people into your life. I'm talking health professionals, develop a, a health team of people who can see the whole picture, see you as the whole picture, and work in an integrated way instead of a fragmented way. You know, the problem with specialists is that they're specializing and they're promoting the very thing they're specializing in. And that's it. They're not able to see the big picture. They're not able to see the whole. And we are whole. We are unified. We are connected. We are a network with ourselves and each other. And there's a field out there that when we connect to it, we can create some really deep positive changes. But the key is understanding that we've got to find people who can help us, remind us to see the whole picture. And I'm talking about, you know, with ourselves. And whenever there's a health crisis, that's actually a good thing because it's the opportunity to cross over and maybe change some things like, oh, I've got to eliminate sugar or, you know, I'm eating too much processed foods or, you know, I'm not drinking enough water. Maybe I need to get, you know, more higher quality filtered water, you know, something like hydrogen water. That's a little, you know, that's a little advanced. Or maybe I need to go learn how to do coffee enemas. Or I need to, you know, do about, learn about intermittent fasting or things like that. So there's, there's so many things out there now on social media. I see it every day. Naturopathic doctors, functional medicine doctors, uh, massage therapists, you know, all kinds of healers. So you find people that you resonate with and then you stop this, this thing of going for the symptom approach, the fix it approach. I mean, if you want the fix it approach, then, you know, that's what allopathic medicine is really good at. The problem with that is that it perpetuates a deeper kind of imbalance that keeps on going. And then at that point, you get into this rabbit hole where it's very difficult to get out. And so that's why you need a coach, you need a counsel, you need a group of people that can help you see the whole and integrate and not use Dr. Google to help you diagnose it yourself and try, you know, colloidal silver here and, you know, NMN powder here and, you know, uh, special glutathione Myers cocktail here 
all of those things on their own may be really good, but is that what you need? And so maybe you need to get a biochemistry test, you need to get a blood panel, you need to get a hair analysis, a urine test, a stool test, something where you can get the terrain on what's going on with your internal climate. And then once you figure that out and you work with somebody, then you're on a plan where you can move forward. And what's so interesting in the eye care field is it's very highly specialized. And so as a specialist, when you come in, and I've seen this, the doctor is looking at you as a cornea or as a retina or as an optic nerve, and he's not seeing the relationship of how the liver meridian might be affecting your vitreous health or your kidney lung meridian maybe is affecting your eye pressure just just as two dots that you're connecting or two t's that you're crossing or two dots you know eyes that you're dotting so i think that um in and this goes for everybody this is my rant is that i would really look for an integrated integrative holistic practitioner who can help you see the whole and treat you as a whole person. And if you do that, you will improve incredibly quickly. And then you get away from these things like, you know, laser surgery or um, injections or corticosteroids and antibiotic eye drops and, you know, all the things that we learn, you know, we learn and it's in our toolbox. I just had the good fortune when I was very young that I met a lot of holistic practitioners in a lot of different fields and I was open to them. I was open to learning. I was open to being curious and, you know, that's served me very well. Well, there's a lot of practitioners out there like that. It's not just me. And again, I'm holding the space of the eyes and vision, but as you can tell, our eyes and vision are so interrelated and interconnected to our systemic and metabolic and energetic health. And this affects us emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And, uh, you know, by looking at all of those things, we can then, you know, um, regain our, our birthright which is our uh, neuroplasticity. And, uh, you know, you have to look at places and at people who are promoting that. Because if you stay in the same allopathic spiral, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of negativity. You know, you go to the doctors and you go, I'm not going back to them. You know, when I ask them if there's any help, they say, no, it's only, you know, we just watch it and then we cut it out. And that may not be your way. You know, for a lot of people it is. And, uh, you know, my philosophy is not for everybody. And I will recommend people go to more of the standard level of care because uh, that matches them better. But I think the people that are in my community and they're curious right on, then we just, we just move forward and we're one organism and we're learning together and, and so on. So anyway, I think that the hour is getting late. Oh, here's another question. Can shoulder and neck pain for months be called a trauma and affect the eyes? It's possible. 
you know, you have to look at your history. Have you had any falls? Have you been in any car accidents? Have you suffered emotional trauma or abuse or anything like that? You know, but when you have chronic pain, there's something going on around a lack of circulation, a lack of nutrient um, absorption. And pain is another gift. It's a signal to say, okay, what are some things I need to do to create more harmony in myself? And, you know, I have many, many patients in their 70s and 80s who are pain-free. Go figure. They're pain-free. They're still hiking. They're driving. They're traveling. So, you know, if you've got pain, be curious about it. Seek out a professional or a practitioner to help you understand it and learn about it. And you can release it. You can change it. And, you know, it's how we associate and relate to our pain that keeps us in that lockdown uh, position. And so, you know, if we kind of use our pain as a teacher to say, okay, what can I do to improve my, my harmony, my balance in myself, then, um, you know, you've got it made. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everybody for taking the time tonight. Thanks for being in. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.